Welcome to the Book Club interview. My name is Scott Hollister, your host. Today's guest is Nico Sanchez, who is an acclaimed real estate investment coach, mentor, and motivational speaker. He is the co-founder and president of DS Realty Solutions Limited and president of the Greater Than Group, a multi-divisional private equity real estate investment company. Nico's mission and vision is to help you create wealth through strategic real estate investments to spearhead humanitarian campaigns worldwide and to motivate, inspire, and drive others to achieve more. Nico is the author of Creativity Over Capital, where he writes about real estate investors who can create financial success using other people's money. Welcome to the show, Nico. How are you doing today? Thanks, Scott. I'm doing uh, great today. How about yourself? I'm doing awesome, man. Every time I get to interview an author, it's, it's always a great time. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Awesome. Thank you. And I see you do this every week. Yeah, so I, I read yep. a book a week and then I, I reach out to certain authors and we'll, we'll try to uh, recap the book and, and learn as much as we can. So, Awesome, that's good. Yeah, no, it's a, I, I read a quote one time that you know most successful people read a book a week and it accumulates over time. So I was like, you know what, that's a good goal to try to uh, tackle this year. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you have a, a great book. Um, so do you want to tell listeners about your path that kind of led up to writing it? Yeah, so basically, um, what I found, well, I've been uh, doing real estate for um, five, six years now, uh, and then I started teaching and basically coaching other people to do it uh, only recently, only about a couple of years ago, and then the number one question that I kept on getting asked by people was, how do you get started, um, how do you do deals for little or no money down? And it's just the same question that kept on popping up over and over and over. And uh, I just thought I'd write the book and have a book out there that outlined a number of these strategies that I've used and my partners have used in the past as well. And uh, put the answers out there for everybody to, to see because real estate for, for a lot of people, I think it's this mysterious thing and it's uh, a lot of people don't really understand it. Uh, most people are very traditional minded still, even it's 2018. But uh, a lot of people are still very traditional minded and they don't understand alternative uh, alternative investments such as real estate, which um, I've found has been the best uh, investment vehicle for me that I've used. And I've done uh, a number of things. Uh, I've even been on, on the online space doing uh, some e-commerce and stuff like that. Yep. And uh, I think even real estate even beats that by far from nice. my experience. So everyone yep. has different experience. From my experience, that's, that's, uh, that's what I found. So. I wanted to compile all the answers out there that uh, for the questions that I've uh, been asked for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's what I wrote the book, just to give value out there to somebody and sort of demystify the whole zero money down real estate thing. Well, that's great. And I think that's that I, I aligned with you in that book. I originally, that's how I found you. I, I love creative capital. I think during the beginning when you don't have a lot of capital, I think you have to find those creative ways to, you know, build that success and reach that financial freedom so that's right yeah. yeah yeah so yep you wrote the book in you know in 10 parts with an introduction on someone else's money um, mm -hmm. you talk about acquiring <clears throat> skills to reach a financially free lifestyle so what skills do we need to develop in the beginning of our investing career okay so skills are skills are important um, I'd say sales skills communication skills listening skills it, it's mainly as you can see a trend there it's all relationship skills because everything is a relationship after all uh, sales is also just a relationship that's what it is mindfulness um, you can call them a skill um, 
but I think it's more, I, I would say it's more of a mindset change. And the mindset shift is really what's important and, uh, and what we need to, 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 to get done in the very beginning is to have that shift in mindset. Because if we don't have that shift in our mindset, uh, it doesn't matter how many, you can take the most intense sales trading that, that there is out there, but if you don't have the mindset to accept that training, you're not gonna learn anything from that training. You can pay thousands of dollars for any sort of trading, public speaking trading, everything else. You can pay thousands, people pay thousands of dollars for school. But if they don't have the right mindset to accept, you know, what, what they're what they're being taught in school, they're not gonna do too well. Like myself, I didn't do very well in school. <laughs> so yeah. it's uh, it's all it all starts in the mind. Um, so it's uh, it all starts in the mindset and then your mindset will it then influence your actions and then your actions become your habits and then your habits become your destiny. So it, it all starts in the mindset, but you have to decide um, to change that mindset. You have to empty that cup, like think of it as a, as a cup full of, full of water or dirty water. It's your old mindset. You have to empty that cup first before you can put new water in there and learn that new fresh mindset. Yeah. Well said. I, I love how you start with that foundational, you know, success and and getting your mind right. You know, I think that's you know really key. And um, you know, in the beginning, we have a lot of fear, um, you know, investing for the first time. So you know, how can we move past that fear and take action? I think the main thing that sort of holds people back is their lack of knowledge in a particular subject. And if you don't know enough about a particular subject, um, you're you seem you're going to see more tense and you're going to see more held back to take that leap forward. So that's another reason why I wanted to put this book out there is to put that knowledge out there. So people have that tool and they learn a little bit more about what what can be done in this particular subject as real estate um, to help them to get over that fear. So fear is not necessarily a bad thing. We, we don't want to be fearless because you can't there's no such thing as being fearless fearless is by definition without fear there's always going to be fear in our lives and the most important thing is to feel that fear and then just do it anyways so having the right knowledge the right amount of knowledge and when i say the right amount it doesn't it's not necessarily 100% because mm. we can never learn 100% of something especially before we even do it um so that's the main, that's really the main thing there. It's to sort of picture yourself uh, driving a car like down a straight highway and it's foggy outside, right? So if you picture yourself there, you can only see say 10 meters ahead of you because it's really foggy. Well, if you don't drive another meter in, uh, forward or another two meters forward, you'll never see the next meter, two meters, three meters, five meters, 10 meters ahead. And if you let that um, let that fear get a hold of you. You'll just stop there, and you'll never get to your destination. You'll wait for there for you'll wait there forever for the fog to clear, and it's never going to clear, right? Because that's life. That's life is uh, infinite fog. We can never see mm. ten, oh, past ten steps ahead of us. We have to take that step forward to see the next step past that. Well said. That, that that's some amazing wisdom. I love that. You know, taking that step at a time. You know, and 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 telling the listeners and in all these new time investors that love you know your book. I think I think it's important to lay that foundation. Like you're never really going to be a hundred percent confident, but yeah. you know, arm yourself with the knowledge so you can take those that one step at a time and and not give your head. So exactly. So learn about you know forty percent of something and then start taking action towards mm -hmm. that. 
and then eventually it'll uncover the rest will uncover itself as you as you move forward so yes knowledge is very important to initially help you get over that fear but at the end of the day it's up to that person individually to decide to do it anyways because somebody might only learn 20% of something and be courageous enough to, to, to take that step forward and take action. Mm-hmm. Somebody might need to be 60% on something. So at the end of the day, it's all up to the individual person um, and their, you know, their, uh, their tolerance, their own individual tolerance. So I, I learned about 30, 40% of something and then I get excited and I take a step forward. <laughs> Some, yep. Sometimes it gets you in trouble, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. but a lot of times it, uh, it works out for the best. So. No, that's great. Yeah, no, I'm a man of action too. If, if I, I, I wish it, you know, education, you know, had that different type of school settings, you know, where, where the people that need only 30% love to take the action, take a step back, reflect and keep moving mm-hmm. forward. So exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's move right into chapter one. So why real estate you call it? And so how do we shift from our traditional mindset of saving from our retirement? And what are the benefits of real estate for you? So Real estate um, is the main creator and generator of or and, and maintainer of wealth. And it's been that way for years and years, decades and decades. Um, I think it's uh, 85% or 90% of all wealth has uh, was created or maintained or grown within real estate. And that's globally in the world. And there's a, there's a few different reasons for that. And it's because wealth... Uh, Real estate is really a, is a very good wealth accelerator because you can make money off real estate in more than just one way. So if you're number one, if you're just saving money, you're actually losing money mm-hmm. because of inflation. So if you're just literally putting money away and that money just you know you put, even if you put a hundred thousand dollars away under underneath your mattress, ten years later that hundred thousand isn't worth a hundred thousand anymore because of inflation and the prices Mm -hmm. uh, and everything going up right so if you're just saving you're actually losing and that's why robert kiyosaki says that savers are losers i know it sounds harsh but that's that's the reality (laughs) of it right um and so you have to put your money into some sort of investment vehicle that's going to grow over that rate of inflation which i believe right now is about three percent so if you're not making 3% return on your money, you're actually losing money. So what do a lot of, uh, you know, GICs and cash deposits and mutual funds, um, what's tip, what's their typical rate of return? GICs, they don't even get up to 1% for, for the most part. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. Mutual funds, maybe 3 5% if you're, if you're lucky. So th- those are really the traditional financial investments. Um, but with real estate, I mean, you can get 10% just off of the cash flow alone. Mm-hmm. And when I say cash flow, that's the profit that you put in, in your pocket at the end of the month um, after you collect your rents and then you pay out all your expenses, including the mortgage, property taxes, insurance, et cetera, et cetera, any repairs, whatever's left over is your cash flow. There's a lot of properties out there where you can get 10% just on the cash flow alone, especially out there. You're in the States, correct? Yes. Yep. Yeah, especially out there in the states. In Canada, it's a little bit harder to get 10% on on, on just cash flow. But okay. I know out there, you guys have phenomenal cash flowing properties there. So I, I've had um, a few buildings out in Indianapolis, actually, okay. that I don't have them anymore. I sold them, but those were cash flowing really well. Um, yeah. So yeah, you got cash flow number one, right? That's one way that you make money in real estate, and then you have uh, mortgage pay down. 
So equity, actually equity is, is broken down into a couple of different parts and that's mortgage pay down. Mm-hmm. So that's your renters paying your mortgage down for you. So then your equity is actually increasing in that property. And then appreciation, whether it's forced appreciation or natural market appreciation, you're also building equity that way. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the third way is, uh, you know, you, there's a lot of tax advantages in real estate. Let's be realistic, right? So. Mm-hmm. That's that's also another because it's not about how much money you make. It's actually about how much money you keep. So if you're saving money on taxes because of the advantages that real estate allows you to do, you're keeping a lot more in your pocket. Yeah, those are some amazing benefits. So I I think, you know, as soon as you read that, you know, Kiyosaki book and it got you on that that path of, you know, investing in real estate as opposed to just saving, you know, Mm -hmm. you have a mindset uh, mindset shift. And, yeah. um, you know, another one of the benefits in chapter two you talk about is, you know, really understanding leverage and how exactly. we can use that leverage to, you know, create cash flow and ultimately yep. financial freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you use leverage today in your real estate investments? So I, uh, I use a lot of leverage. So leverage is a bit of a double edged sword. It can be your best friend or it can be uh, your worst enemy. And you <laughs> to be able to 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 use leverage properly, you really have to have the proper knowledge and the proper skills and the proper training because it can really really quickly get you in trouble. So a lot of people will say oh leverage 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 this leverage that. Um, I would say be very careful, make sure you're trained properly, make sure you have the proper knowledge before you start over leveraging yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, number one, you should never over leverage yourself. So that's uh, that's one mistake a lot of uh, new, new investors make is they're 100% leveraged. Yeah. <laughs> and that can be very, very dangerous. So mm-hmm. leverage basically, um, so I outline a lot of this in my book, but um, leverage is pretty much instead, instead of buying a property, say it's $100,000, instead of buying that all in cash, right? I would rather pay $10,000 as a down payment and use the bank's money to leverage the rest of that 90%. Or I would even borrow, take that 10% that you need for the down payment, pull it out of a line of credit that I'm only paying 5% on, which is the same mortgage rate you're getting at the bank anyway. At that point, you're 100% leveraged. So that's Mm -hmm. what I mean by zero money down. So you pretty much bought that property for free using 100% of the bank's money. From your line of credit and then from their mortgage great yeah and when you when you run the numbers on something like that and i give examples in my book if uh, people have read it if not check it out <laughs> but i give examples uh, in my book there on why leverage actually increases your rate of return your uh, your roi your rate, uh, return on investment and uh it's broken down there in numbers with examples as well mm-hmm. yeah so so when you uh quote unquote uh, over leverage to 100%. In, I'm assuming you're still uh, taking in that the asset is still cash mm-hmm. flowing and paying itself. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Cash yeah. flow is king. Um, yeah. You got to picture cash flow as sort of your lifeblood, right? Yep. <laughs> so ec- ec- equity is, is sort of like your muscle. If you're doing renovations, you're, uh, you're doing a, a value add in your projects, it's sort of like working out and building more muscles. Equity, yep. uh, cash flow though, that's, that's your blood. So if you're, if you're bleeding <laughs> out and you're getting negative cash flow every single month and you're bleeding out a lot, eventually like, it doesn't matter how, much, how big your muscles are because you're going to bleed <laughs> out and die. Right. Yeah, so yeah. cash flow is king. Um, it has to be managed very, very carefully. Um, that's also uh, another mistake. I don't I don't really want to talk about the negatives and mistakes, but people love to hear what's the biggest mistakes a new investor can make. Well, cash flow, cash flow management. <laughs> that's yeah. one of them as well. So, OK, 
No, it's great. So let's talk about how uh, money follows the right deal in chapter three. Um, so how does money find us if the deal is lucrative enough? Well, <clears throat> when I say money follows the right deal and money and money will find you if the deal is good enough, I don't. Um, that doesn't mean you sit in your computer at home and crunch numbers and and figure out good deals. You got to be out there. You got to be networking. Um, you have to. You know, it's a lot of the money that that I've raised is all from networking. Um, I don't. I've never done. I've never been good at um, you know marketing and sending out flyers and stuff. I actually don't do that. A lot of the stuff that I do is all through networking and relationships. Mm-hmm. Whether it's raising money, whether it's finding the right deals. Um, it's all done through networking and relationships. Just uh, connect one dot to another, and one person brings you a deal. You find another person uh, where that deal works for them, and then you can raise some money that way. But imagine it this way: um, when I say money follows the right deal, and here's here's why: there's a lot of money in the world, so we have to number one get get away from the scarcity mentality that there isn't a lot of money out there, and there's always is it, we're always in a position of lack. Right where we're always we always think everything is lacking. There's actually a lot of money out there. There's a lot of free money floating around out there, waiting to be used. You just got to go out there and meet the right people. You got to network, be professional, um, go out to just put yourself out there, right? Um, and network and, and meet these people because there's a lot of money out there and people are using money to buy all kinds of stuff, liabilities, cars. You know, like every, everything, um, you know, the toys like skidoos yeah. and snowmobiles <laughs> and whatever else, right? Those those assets depreciate and people are using their money to buy these things. So when you go up to somebody that has that money and you tell them, hey, why don't you instead of paying 100000 for, you know, that brand new Mercedes Benz that's going to be worth 50000 in three years, what if I could use your, what if you let me use your 100,000 and I turn it into 120, 150,000 in the next couple of years? Mm-hmm. You think that person is going to say yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> there right? you go. Yep. By the way, with the, with the uh, amount of return that they get, say you put them into, a, into an investment where they're making $2,000 a month in cash flow from investing that 100,000 with you. Mm-hmm. Um, that $2,000 a month, they could very easily lease that Mercedes-Benz for $2,000 a month or less. So there yeah. you go. Their money's growing and they got a free car. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it, it all takes just a little bit of thinking outside the box. Yeah. And that's why I say uh, in the beginning that communication skills is very important because you have to know how to communicate that. Why would mm-hmm. the person want to give you money? You have to know how to sell the advantage of that. And that's all done through you know, relationship skills, like communication and sales skills, which are all relationship skills. It's all people skills. Well said. So once we have the money, so what are the three parts of every real estate investment puzzle? So you got to have the right deal. And of course, you got to have the money, right? It just doesn't have to be your money. When I say zero money down deals, it doesn't have to be your money, right? That's zero money down for you, but it's not necessarily zero money down. Uh, it's not necessarily a zero money down deal. Now, of course, sometimes you still can find some zero money down deals where the owner is willing to do 100% financing, but not uh, not that often. So you got the, the deal, you have the money, and you also need the people. So a um, very good way to sell that is you have the deal, 
you're the person who's going to put in the grunt work and making that deal work with your special uh, specialty of knowledge and skills and real estate investing and you have you can find that money and that money is typically somebody um, that has the money but doesn't know much about real estate or doesn't want to take the time to do anything in real estate because it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of energy and effort right um, mm -hmm. like a doctor that has you know hundreds of thousand dollars in the bank he wants to just give somebody that money and that and watch that money grow he doesn't want to have to do the work he's busy enough you know saving lives in the hospital so he doesn't want and it doesn't have the time to do all that work <clears throat> and that's where you come in as the person to do all that uh, all that work for them yeah so it's now, money people and and the deal great now Chapter four, you talked about the art of the creative real estate investing. So where'd mm -hmm. you find your thinking outside the box mindset? Um, I think I've always been an outside the box thinker. <laughs> um, yeah. It didn't do well. It didn't do too well in, uh, in school, yeah. <laughs> in traditional education. But yeah. uh, it seemed to have worked in, uh, as soon as you get out there in the real world. In the real world. Um, it, I've always been very creative and trying to... I've always been a bit of a problem solver, um, yeah. although my calculus grades wouldn't be proof of that. <laughs> but I've always been a bit of a problem solver. I always like to think outside the box, um, and you can you can. It's not a skill or a mindset that has to come only naturally. I mean, it's it's mm -hmm. something that can be learned and acquired by people as well. So, in order to have that outside the box thinking, you really just have to be very very mindful of what's going on, be mindful of not only your needs, but everybody else's needs. Um, otherwise, if you're not, if, for example, you're trying to buy a, buy a building creatively through the seller and you, you're trying to get a uh, you know, vendor take back from them, you have to have their best interest in mind too, not just yours, not just because you're going to have an advantage if they give you a vendor take back. You have mm -hmm. to be able to be mindful of, of their needs as well. Why would they give you a vendor take back even, right? Okay. And there's a few different reasons why they would, you know, they can defer their taxes for their capital gains and, uh, you know, and then they can have, uh, uh, they can make interest on that as well. So there's a lot of different uh, reasons why they would do that. And you just have to be mindful of what other people's needs are, not just focus on your own and mm -hmm. always be a problem solver. So always think about, okay, if this is the problem, a lot of people are very problem focused and very few people out there are solution focused. A lot of times we get, we see a problem and we let that problem bring us down. Whereas we should just continue to think about, okay, that's the problem. Can't do anything about it right now. That can't change anymore. But what can I do about it to solve that problem? And then you start, you just start thinking from there. Like I like to um, actually have a, like a tie pad. I call it the tie pad. Ty Lopez pad, you know, the, the flipboard. Okay, and I actually, yeah. I like to doodle on that when I'm trying to solve a problem. I just like to doodle on that, right? And just think of different ways and it's brainstorming uh, yeah. a solution to that problem. Um, like that's just, that's the way that my mind works. If I'm like, yep. if I'm very visual. So if I'm doodling on something and I'm writing something down, okay, well, what about this, you know? And I'm do doing arrows all over, the, all over the place. That's sort of how my mind works. And, uh, and then eventually you find a solution. Or you find a few solutions that you can try, at least. Yeah, 
No, it's amazing. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I used to be a teacher and we uh, ran a ca- character education uh, program. And the first rule to, you know, solving problems are six steps. But the first step was, you know, identify it and then name possible solutions. So I love that pad and, right. and don't judge them. Just throw those ideas out to see what can work. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Whatever great. pops up in your head, throw it up on that type pad and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I love it. Uh, yeah. So uh, you talked about this in the book. So what, what are your five rules of creative investing? So the five rules is number one, you got to find the right deal. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, you got to be a problem solver to find that right deal and yeah. to make that deal work. Um, be mindful of uh, what the sellers or the buyers needs are or the investors needs if you're raising capital. So just be mindful of what other people's needs are, not just about what, what you're looking for and what you need. Think about what other people need. Think about how you can bring value to other people and then value will in turn automatically come to you. If you're always thinking about how can I be of value to somebody else, you will receive value tenfold. Like it's the more it really is. It's the more you give, the more you receive. Mm. Right. So it, it, it really is that way. And you have to have that that sort of mindset and not be not even be calculating about it. Don't give value just because, you know, you're going to get value back. You know, it, you just have the mindset where you're always trying to provide value to everybody else and then it'll automatically come to you. It's just a good karma. That's all it is. Um, Rules. Rule number four, I would say is um, don't over leverage yourself and maintain a safety net. Mm -hmm. So always have contingencies planned. Um, When new investors get in, get into real estate after, you know, theoretical training that they receive from seminars and stuff like (laughs) that, all the time and it never fails but they will very very quickly learn that nothing goes according to plan <laughs> so, so you always have to have some sort of safety net for example if you if you think you only need fifty thousand dollars you need to raise fifty thousand dollars to get a deal closed I would raise a hundred thousand dollars I always double what I think I would need to get something close if it's better to over raise than to under raise so that's just a that's from like raising that's from the raising the capital standpoint um, don't even get me started on you know maintenance <laughs> of the property and, yeah. and all this stuff a lot of people are very over optimistic I like to find a way when I'm looking at a deal I dissect that deal and I try to make that deal not work Really? Okay. I, I will literally try to make that deal not work. What are all the different ways that different things that can happen so that this mm-hmm. deal can't work? I'll literally try to pick that deal apart. And if it still works after that, then it's got to be a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> I love that stress test. <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 that's what it is. It's a stress test, right? Yeah. And um, the last rule is you, you got to just put in the work, you know, put in the hustle. Um, learning and, and increasing your knowledge and taking all these seminars is is one thing um but you gotta really take action and and, and put in the work mm-hmm. you gotta get those hands dirty because if you don't get those hands dirty and i don't mean you don't you literally have to swing a hammer i've never look at my hands <laughs> these are not hammer swinging hands but you gotta get put it you gotta put in that work you gotta put in that hustle yeah um that's that's probably that's a, this that's the secret sauce like right there it's the, the one thing yeah. that you gotta you gotta really put in the work because it doesn't matter how what you learn and how 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 uh, how many books you read or how many seminars you take if you don't put in the work and take action it's all just good knowledge yeah but it's never applied great 
So let's start applying it. So in chapter five, you talk about the lease with option to buy. So can you explain the key benefits of this arrangement to listeners? Yeah, so basically a lease option, um, a more familiar term for, for people out there, I think might be rent to own. Okay. So that's pretty much what a lease option is. So you're leasing the property and you've already predetermined that you have an option that you can exercise legally to purchase that property after a certain term. Um, so this is a really, really good way to get into properties with uh, for for little money down, right? If you don't have a lot of down payment saved up, but and you can't raise capital from anybody yet, you haven't built your network quite yet. Um, but say you might have five thousand dollars to leave as a deposit to the to the seller. Well, why don't you lease that property from the seller first, right? Pay a little bit more every month. Right, so that's pretty much how it works. You pay a little bit more every month than what the market rent is, and that mm-hmm. goes towards building your down payment over the course of three years or five years or whatever you, you set the term to be. Um, so it bas- it's basically dividing the down payment that you would need over a term of three years. That's pretty much what it is. That's great. And then you exercise that option to buy, and you get credited all that extra payments that you've made every single month. And then you don't have to come up with all the money. In in the meantime, you already own the property or you have control of the property from day one. Right. So as soon as you lease the thing, you can actually go and lease it out to somebody else. So that's called a lease option sandwich. And uh, I think I believe that's outlined in my book as well. And Mm -hmm. so you can actually already rent it out to somebody else because you have control of that property right from day one. Awesome. Now, um, any potential problems that you've run into with that option? Um. A lot of times is, uh, well not a lot of times, but sometimes what happens is that if if you're doing a lease option to somebody else and you're selling that lease option to somebody else, if you're coming from the seller side, um, you have, they have the one problem that can come up is that your buyer might not be able to qualify for the mortgage even after that three years. Okay. So you sort of have, if you're doing it that way and you're you're doing a lease option and from from the seller standpoint you really have to uh, take care of your buyers financials and make sure that you vet them properly um, and make sure that they can get approved like take care of theirs you're sort of like a financial advisor throughout hmm. that throughout their uh, lease option term for that three years you're pretty much babysitting them making sure that their finances <laughs> are kept in order they're doing everything that they need to do in order to be um, to qualify for that mortgage after three years because Coming from a seller standpoint, you do the lease option to somebody um, that needs to buy a house but can't, like as as their own home, right? But they can't be approved for a mortgage yet. Maybe they went through bankruptcy or or something like that. So you're being you're giving them value that way by giving them the lease option. Hmm. Okay. That way they now, can own their own home. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, this is a topic that you know might be above the beginning investor, but let's, let's talk about joint venture partnerships and you know how can partnering with someone power up our real estate investing. So joint venture partnerships—that's um, that's really I would say that's like the holy grail because when when you're joint venture partnership, when I say you got the money, the person, and the deal, my joint venture partnerships have been I find the deal. I do the work. My joint venture partner is very passive, so it's a passive investor that you partner up with, and then he just puts the capital in, and then you do the work and you give them the, the, you guys split the returns at the end. Mm-hmm. 
so that's um, when you, once you can start doing that, then you're really um, doing zero down deals all the time. Because to you, it's zero down, but you're still yeah. putting in, you know, you're still putting in the 10, 20 percent um, down payment that you need to qualify for that mortgage. Even if you don't have your own credit, by the way, get your joint part, joint venture partner can hold the title for you. So you don't need you don't need your own cash. You don't need your own credit. You just have to have the knowledge and the skills to make these things happen. Mm -hmm. uh, now, talking about the unique strengths each partner should bring, is that typical in that scenario that you, you find someone you know that doesn't have the time or the knowledge but has the capital? And, yeah. And, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So when I when I first started doing joint venture partnerships. Um, a lot of my investors that I found were in the medical field, so doctors. Mm -hmm. So that's why I always give that example because that's by by experience for me, that's the, those are the people that you know they have the money, but they don't have the time or the yeah. knowledge or they or they just don't want to. They just want to grow that money yeah. passively. So you, what you want to do is you want to find passive partners, passive. I call them money partners. Mm -hmm. Right, people with money that want to grow their money, they know the value of real estate, or you can teach them what the value is that you bring, and um, and then um, they would want to make them want to invest with you. Definitely, rather so, than somebody else. Yeah, no, it's well said. So tips on finding the right partner, and you spoke about this in the book, and I love this. You know, should they possess the same personality? So, same skill set and same personality. Two totally different things. Also, I'll start with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like to partner up with somebody with a different skill set. Okay. Um, so, for example, if I want if I wanted to partner up with somebody uh, for a property that say needed a lot of renovations, I would partner up with somebody that's done a lot of project management, like a contractor or something like that, right? So, right. my company we actually have uh, in-house uh, construction and renovation uh, because one of the company partners is. Has is a contractor for like almost twenty, oh, almost thirty years. So that's one of the company partners we have in-house construction. That's an advantage that we have. Um, but yeah, so you want to partner up with somebody with a different skill set, different personality. That's a little bit tough to, a um, little bit tough to say because if if you have too the same, too much of the same personality, there can be a lot of clashes. But um, you just gotta. It's all people skills, man. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, you gotta. You gotta. You got There's always going to be, you know, butting of heads and stuff like that, and it happens. Yeah. You know, even even with with me and my partners, it happens. Um, but uh, if you guys just remain solution focused and not get emotional, uh, you guys will be able to work through that. And the other thing as well, if you find that a part in in your partnership, you know, things are getting really emotional, and um, and there's there seems to be a lot of arguments and butting of heads all the time. A lot of the times, the reason is because you lack what I call is what I call systems. So you you lack the systems. So when there is no systems in place that people can like, look at big companies. They have you know their um, what the what to do, a list of what to do. If this happens, this is what you do. So th those are systems, right? This is what you do to prevent this. Blah blah blah. blah. So th th those those are all systems. But without systems. What happens is you get a lot of finger pointing. Oh, it was you. Oh, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? If you have the systems, you can. You guys can just point to the system, mm -hmm. and you guys won't get emotional over each other. 
and there won't be a lot of argument happening, right? And then you can stay more solution focused because you should have the system that says if this happens, you know, do this. Yep. So let's focus on the solution and let's just fix that problem. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think that the biggest mind shift was when I read the E myth. Um, yeah. Very system, you know, oriented, and, and that, yeah. that's good to see. Um, so, you know, pivoting a little bit in chapter eight, hard money and private lenders. So can you explain uh, the both of those so we can gain a firm grasp on the concepts of each? Yeah, so that, those, those terms are a little bit ambiguous because technically hard money lenders are private lenders. Mm -hmm. But when I say private lenders, um, when I say hard money lenders, I mean there's uh, groups of individuals or companies that'll, that'll lend money as long as the, you know, as long as the deal is right. Um, they have their own standards, they have their own systems. Um, they're very systemized. It's a company, mm -hmm. right? So those are, you know, high interest lenders. A lot of times they're it really differs everywhere, but a lot of times it's about 12 to 15 percent here where I am. Where I am. Yeah. And uh, when I say private lenders, um, what I actually mean is people that you just meet privately, whether, you know, angel investors or family and friends or friends of friends or somebody you met at a networking event um, that you managed to build a, a, a good business relationship with. So that's what I mean by private investors, people you personally know, not necessarily mm -hmm. an entity or uh, a company that you can literally search up and if you need like hard money, right? Yeah. And um, the advantage of, I like private money the best, like not, um, not, not through companies, but people that I know personally, because I'm very relationship driven. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the most important part in, in business and life is relationships. So a lot of times, you can get away like like I, like I said like the companies don't have their own standards so they might only lend to you 65% LTV or whatever else right but if you go up to somebody and you know them and they and they know you and they like you and they trust you you could even get 100% of the purchase price right they might mm -hmm. they might even lend you 100% it's really up to you and it's and it's more flexible it's whatever you can pitch and whatever you can whatever you can sell yeah Whatever yeah, you can me. negotiate is what you get. So that's what um, that's what I like about private lenders. And when I say private lenders, that's what I mean. So to clear yeah. that term up, because technically yeah. hard money lenders are private lenders, right? Yep. So no, I love that. That's a great chapter, chapter eight. I love the the difference in and it for me in my experience. It was starting out with hard money and moving to private money. You know, after exactly. you built that track record. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the conclusion in the book, it says make a million dollars. So now that we have all this information, you know, knowledge is no longer our problem. So now we need to find the right solution. So mm -hmm. what do you recommend the listeners do next in terms of mentorship? So mentorship is, I would say, a lot of people overlook that. A lot of people say, oh, I can get all this free information online um, and they don't want to pay for mentorship. Not that you really have to. It really depends on the person. But what I find mm -hmm. is most people do do need mentorship they do need that hand-holding they they do need somebody to guide them right through their first deal a lot of people can't just take a lot of uh, all this in from free information online and bigger pockets and stuff like that and other po podcasts and and then apply it right they need somebody to be there with them to to help push them over that edge like you're asking what what uh, what can what can somebody do to get over the fear and actually take action well knowledge is one thing but what I know from experience is a lot of people, even if they have that knowledge, they're always wanting to seek more knowledge. 
And it's not necessarily the knowledge because they can't get that more. It's just that they need somebody to be there with them and take that first step with them. Well said. No, I think that's like you said, you know, getting that meter. If someone's just, you know, pulling you gently forward a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, coaches, things like that, you know, teachers, we have them all throughout high school, you know, as soon as exactly. we leave, you know, college exactly. it's, kind of disappears. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So like yeah. for for me, for example, I would never I don't think I would ever have gotten to to what what, what I'm doing now if it wasn't for my mentors. Like I, I mm-hmm. have many, many mentors. I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on courses and mentorship and 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 coaches and coaching Mm -hmm. it's um you have to invent the best investment is investment in yourself so a lot of people say uh, they they they're missing this part They'll, they'll see somebody that's doing well in a particular field but they don't know how much that person has invested in himself to be doing that well in that field Mm -hmm. you know like for example um like a doctor like how long do they have to study for yeah. and how much does med school cost right <laughs> they invested in, in themselves a lot before they were able to become doctors and it's the same thing in business you have to invest in yourself it's just it's harder for people to grasp this in in, in general business because there's no traditional way of doing it hmm. you know reading books is one thing um, and taking courses and seminars is one thing but uh, I think to take things to the next level you really like most people need that uh, that one-on-one mentorship with somebody. Yeah, yeah. Well said. I, I love that. You know, I'll echo that again. You know, the best investment is investment in yourself. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, and th- this, I love this in this this chapter. It, it kind of like it clicked. You know, just it stopped me in my tracks when I read it. And and you said, you know, something along the lines. You know, what's the difference between simple and easy? Yes. So, a lot of things are simple, right? Uh, if you have systems in place and there's if somebody told you, okay, this is how you do it, right? And this is the way to do it. It's very simple. If you follow these mm-hmm. steps, you'll get this result. Very, very simple, right? But no one is saying that along that path, during that entire path, that things are going to be easy. Yes, it's simple. If you follow this step to this step to this step to this step to this step, you will get this result. Mm-hmm. That's very, very simple. It's very, you know, it's simplified. But it, it, during that whole path, it, it's not going to be easy. You have to put in the work, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to continue to grind and to continue to keep yourself up. And, and you're going to fall in various places along that pathway. And you just need to pick yourself back up and keep on taking that step forward. So that's the difference between simple and easy. A lot of things are simple. If you do it <laughs> this way, follow these instructions and follow the system, yep. you'll get this result. But it's not going to be easy. I absolutely love that. That that was just amazing. I think that that's worth the price of the book alone. Just that chapter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so what's the secret spice? The last question before we wrap things up. So the secret spice. Um, there's not. There's there's not that one thing, right? Everyone's always asking for that one thing. Yes, you got hustle. So that's uh, you know, that's that's one. That's the secret spice. You got to put in the work. You gotta you gotta have that grit to keep on going and to yeah. pick yourself up no matter how many times you fall down. Um, but you also have to have the right mindset yeah. because you can put in all the work that you want, but if you don't have the right mindset, it all starts from the mindset. Whenever I coach anybody, it's we start with mindset mm-hmm. training. That's really the foundation of everything in life is having the proper mindset for what you want to do. And uh, whenever I'm mentoring somebody, 
we always start with that. We actually don't get started on anything until he's got that right mindset. Okay. So, yeah, that's the foundation. You got to have the foundation. Um, mm-hmm. Build your house on a foundation of rock and not a foundation of sand, right? Yeah. So, the right mindset is a foundation of rock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to have that down before you start doing anything else. Before you lay that first brick up, you got to have the right foundation. Right. No. So that's that's what I would say would be you know the main the main takeaway. Have yeah. the right mindset and put in the work. Amazing. No, wise words, Nico. Great book on, you know, creativity. I, I loved it. You know, that, that secret spice hustle and, you know, simple and easy and making the right decisions. That's, you, yeah. you got to start with the foundation, you know, you're completely right. It all right. starts with you that. Know, everything's set. Yep. yep. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. And um, you want to tell the listeners where they, you know, can purchase the book and find out more about you? Yeah. So you guys can, uh, you, you can get it through my uh, my landing page, my website, nicosanchez.ca. That's N-I-C-O, Sanchez with a Z at the end, or a Z for uh, the American listeners out there, <laughs> dot, dot C-A. Uh, that's dot Canada. Um, or you guys can just search it up on uh, Amazon. There's uh, the, the Kindle. You can purchase the Kindle or you can purchase the paperback on Amazon. Just search for creativity over capital. And uh, you guys will see the book there in the background. That's what it looks like on Amazon. Um, yeah, you can purchase it uh, through those two ways. Sounds great. No, I really yeah. appreciate it, Nico. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Scott. All right. Take care. My pleasure. All right. Take care. And that concludes our book club interview with author Nico Sanchez, who wrote the book Creativity Over Capital. This is a great book for a beginner to an intermediate investor uh, has a lot of down-to-earth real foundational knowledge that i think every investor and business owner needs uh, nico talked about the mindset shift uh, building relationship skills and networking appropriately uh, using leverage correctly how cash flow is your lifeblood how money follows the right deal his three parts of every real estate investment puzzle, and also his five rules of creative investing. I highly recommend you check it out. You're going to gain a lot of useful information. Um, Even if you already know, it's good to refresh. And I I find it that I love having, you know, every book on my shelf, just so I can refer back to it um, at any point in time. That's it for this week. Make sure you like our Facebook page so you can stay up to date on authors that we're interviewing and the content that we're putting out. My name is Scott Hollister, your host, and we'll see you next time.